The Beat Church, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. Anyways, uh, cool. Well, we're excited to get into this this morning. You know, we're, we're going to be talking about a love that lasts. And, you know, uh, obviously love is very complicated, you know, and it takes a lifetime to figure out. So in, in no way are we sitting up here saying, hey, we, we, here, here you go. You know, as a young married couple of, what, 12, 13 years, this is the answer to life's relationship you know, questions. But God has done a lot in us. He's brought us through a lot, and so we're excited to get into this. So love that lasts. We'll look at three different categories. Uh, love that grows together, love that lasts, flourishes in forgiveness, and love that lasts has lots of fun, which I can't wait to get into that one. It's going to be good. And so uh, just kind of starting out, uh, <laughs> Jenna's happy too. Uh, uh, love that lasts uh, grows together. So Philippians 3.13, it says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. And so I think that, you know, when we look at what does it take to have a love that lasts, it's a love that grows together. And so in, in my own life, with mine and Jenna's marriage, you know, uh, she, she married into um, an individual who had a lot of hurdles in his life, a lot of different things to kind of get over whether they were done uh, to me or decisions that I had made, there were hurdles that I had to get over. And the process of getting over those hurdles to figure out how to be a dad, how to be a husband, how to be a good friend, um, you know, it was, it, was, it was a hard journey, it was a hard process. But if I wanted to become a great husband, if I wanted to become a great dad, I had to figure out how to get over these hurdles. And it's the same in all of our lives. If we want to be, a, you know, a great husband, great uh, wife, a good friend to somebody, we can't look at the hurdles that we have in our lives as if they're excuses, right? So if I, I marry Jenna, I get into this marriage, I'm married to her, you know, and I want to be a great husband, right? Like I can't expect to be a great husband and, and, and just ignore the hurdles or look at the hurdles and be like, oh, this happened to me when I was younger, or these were the examples that were set, right? It's not fair to her. It's not fair to the relationship. And if I want a love that lasts, I can't look at these hurdles in my life and say, oh, well, I didn't have that. I don't, that, that's something that's missing. And so I had to learn how to come, overcome those hurdles. And it still is a learning process. And I think that this verse has been really helpful with that. Because I can try to look back. I can try to look and, you know, just try to see all the things that had happened, all the things that I had done, Right? But to get over those things, to move through those things, to go towards what is ahead, towards becoming a great husband, a great father, a great friend to people. You know, it's, it's, it was a, it was a, it's a painful journey. I'm not going to lie. It's humbling, right? But as we f move forward and we do that and those things start to shake off, what's really cool is that it leaves a way for other people to be able to follow us as well. As we overcome those hurdles in our lives, other people can say, wow, that's cool. You can, if you can do that, if Kyle can do that, because that's the thing. Some of y'all have known me, like, you know, for the last 15 years or whatever. But if you knew who I was 15 years ago, right? Like, I, I don't know. I'm grateful for where I'm at. And the way to come overcome those hurdles, the way that for me that worked, I think that for all of us is, you know, there's practical things that we can do as far as, you know, uh, reading books and getting counseling and doing these different things to help us process through what has happened. But what I found 
is the only way to overcome these hurdles is to get into the Word, to understand who God is, what He sounds like, and to take what I'm learning from the Bible into my time of prayer, whether it's walking at the park or whatever, to be able to, to receive from God those different things. And it takes the work of the Holy Spirit. It takes the power of God to transform. Because I can't do enough. I can't read enough. I can't try hard enough before I just burn out. And I've been there. I've done that. You know, and I remember kind of, uh, you know, I think I've shared the story before. And I'll pass it over to Jenna. Um, but about three years ago, I really wanted to start growing spiritually, like, you know, more than ever, because I realized I needed to do it. You know, I, I had four kids at the time. No, three kids at the time. Yeah, that's right, three. We had three kids at the time. We just moved to Texas. I'm starting a new career and all these things. And I remember Pastor Andy had started prayer walking at that time, um, you know, or he challenged me to do it rather. And he's like, you should go do this. And so I remember going to do it. And uh, the first time that I started going out there, I was honestly really scared. <laughs> I was afraid that I was going to walk out there and God was going to be like, okay, Kyle, you dirty son of a gun. We're going to fi finally, you want to meet with me? I'm going to show you what's going on in your life. We need to change. And so I was so scared that the whole, like the first two weeks, I would just walk around the park reciting the Lord's Prayer because <laughs> I didn't know like what to do. I was so afraid. And so I just recited, it, which was great. And as time went on, you know, it's 6.30 in the morning, it's freezing cold. I started getting kind of frustrated. I'm like, okay, I haven't been struck by lightning yet. And this is like, what is going on? I was kind of actually irritated for about a week. And then finally, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to go out there. God, help me to be, for a week, I was like, help me to be a better husband, a better father, a better realtor, a better pastor. You know, help me to do all these things. And I did that. And that kind of just honestly, like, burnt out as well. And then finally, you know, about four, five, six weeks into this, I'm walking out there. I'm like, God, like, why am I here? Why, what are we doing out here? Like, you know, like, I, I'm... I'm Pastor Andy doesn't really, he's not going to like come and kick me down my door if I don't do this. So why am I here? And I heard God say to me, Kyle, before you're a husband, before you're a father, before you're a pastor, before you're a realtor, before any of that stuff, you're my son. And I want to spend time with you. I want to teach you. I want to heal you. I want to encourage you. I want to build you up. And so in that relationship, in that, the ability to overcome these different hurdles that I was trying to grow through, I was empowered, I was able to do that. And it's a continual thing. And so when we look at a love that lasts, grows together, you know, there's practical things we can for sure do. You know, there's definitely a lot of tools out there. If we want real transformation that creates a love that really lasts, it takes an encounter, it takes an interaction, it takes a, a relationship with Jesus for that to happen. Yeah, um... And so, and on that point, if you want to love at last, and you're looking at, okay, growing together, and you're looking at these hurdles, um, part of it is that you have to allow room for the person you're in a relationship to grow. And that's a big deal, because if you don't allow them room to grow, then you're always going to be looking at the negative. You're always going to be focusing on the lack, on what you don't have. And, you know, for example, when we first got married, I didn't realize how important uh, having stability in finances was to me. Um, I didn't realize how it's safe it made me feel, okay, do we have enough money just to pay our bills? I didn't realize that at the beginning of our marriage. And, um, <laughs> and okay, so we, it didn't even start. We had just gotten married. We're on our honeymoon, and it's super romantic. The, we're on a cruise. And we're in a hot tub, and it's at night. And I was like, okay, so when are you going back to work? First of all, I don't even know why I'd ask that question. And <laughs> second Me of all, why does that matter? I asked that question. But then, then he looks across, and he says, well, I don't have a job anymore. 
And so I was like, oh my gosh, we had our first fight on our honeymoon. So that was hilarious now looking back. It was not then, but he obviously has a job now. And I in our marriage, in our relationship, I have to allow room for growth because the other option is bitterness. You know, I could become so full of bitterness and resentment, like, okay, well, how come he's not making the money? How come he doesn't communicate like this? I could hold on to these things, but that doesn't get us anywhere. That gets me to a very depressing life. It gets me to a place where I'm only focusing on what's bad and what's not happening. And when I let go of that bitterness and I allow room for growth, maybe the growth isn't what I think it looks like because who grows people? It's not me. I don't have control over the other person in a relationship. It's God. God's the one who moves hearts, who changes hearts, who grows people. I have no control over that. And so if I let go of my bitterness and my resentment and I look for the areas of growth, guess what's going to happen? Growth's going to happen. I'm going to look for it. I'm going to see it, even if it's incremental, even if it's small. And obviously we sit here today and there's been huge, huge amounts of growth because partly I'm responsible for letting go of bitterness and resentment and not holding on to that because bitterness blinds us. It blinds us from seeing anything good happening. It, you know, even if it's a small thing, we have to notice those things, especially if we want a relationship that is long lasting. I can't just say like, yeah, well that happened and hold on to things because then where's the relationship going to go if all we're focusing on is the past just like this verse is talking about letting go and focusing on the goal what is our goal in this relationship i think in the same way you know with uh you know that verse that says he who began a good work in us is faithful to see it come to completion and so you know whether it's with a husband wife or if it's uh if you're like in a ministry or volunteering or, you know, leading or in a relationship and a friendship with somebody, right? It might be frustrating. Like, bro, you were here six months ago. What is going on, right? We have to be able to leave room for people to, to grow, to be able to go through that and to be patient and to have, have confidence, not um, in our efforts in helping that person, but have confidence in the Word of God that says, he who began a good work is faithful, Right? And to be able to trust that and to allow that person to grow and, and, and to not be blinded by our own disappointment, our own discouragement. Right? And, um, and I can say, like, you know, I've, I've, I'm grateful for that. It's, it's honestly for, from Jenna and from other people, even some of y'all here, and just over the course of my life, I'm grateful that people didn't give up on me, that people stayed next to me and continued to believe in me and continued to give me that room to grow. You know? And, and if you're in that position where you're in those growth processes, man, like open your eyes and, and, and be grateful and take advantage of what you have because I think what can happen over time is that that can shrivel up, honestly. Even with Jenna, like I can squander that patience and that grace that she has if I'm like, oh, well, yeah, you know, she's leaving room for me to grow and so I'm gonna take some time to grow because I like doing what I'm doing. No, no, if you know you're in that position, you know in that season, that situation, man, don't take it for granted, right? Grow, push and do what you gotta do and I think on the flip side, you know, of leaving room or allowing room for growth, you know, um, when we see people just skyrocketing, man, 
it can be intimidating. It can be a little bit threatening. And I experienced that with, with Jenna, you know, in these last few years where, um, you know, I, I remember she did her first triathlon and I did say first, there's multiple triathlons. She did her first triathlon. I'm sitting there on the sideline, you know, slightly, a little bit overweight, right? And, you know, watching the kids and she's <laughs> swimming around lakes and doing this huge, amazing triathlon. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, this person is outgrowing me. Like, oh my gosh, man, she's just, and then she, uh, you know, that's when she had also kind of uh, started working for, doing admin at the church, and she was just like, just thriving professionally, physically, relationally, as a mom, in all these ways, she's just skyrocketing, right? And honestly, there was a part of me that was a little intimidated. I was a little threatened. I felt very insecure by that. And, you know, so my response to that could have been, I'm going to squash it right? Like, I'm, I, there, I'm intimidated. I need to, you know, hey, you know what, Jenna? Like, maybe you're working out too much. Like, you know what I mean? Maybe you're working too hard. Maybe you need to pull back on these different areas. I could have done things and said things in my insecurity, right, to squash that, to, to hinder that growth that she was experiencing, right? And I think that when we talk about growth and, and we, we feel, you know, the conviction, like, okay, I have these hurdles, these things in my life, or I'm insecure, or I have this, this something that's going on, we really have two responses to that. Well, about three responses. One is we can shrink back in shame. I can say, I'm convicted. I feel bad. You know, I realize I have these hurdles. I've done things. Things have happened to me, you know, and I see somebody skyrocketing. I can shrink back in shame and kind of just wallow in my self-pity. Or the other option is I can lash out in anger. I can get really mad at that person. I can get really mad. Like, I'm going to prove you. Who do you think you are? I can start building up uh, this frustration towards, you know, whatever the, towards God, towards the person that's threatening, or that's bringing the conviction, right? My third option is to strain towards what's ahead, is to press in to the conviction, to press into the insecurity, to lean into it, to say, God, I don't want to shrink back. Getting anger is not going to bring about your righteousness. God, help me. I'm going to forget what's behind. I'm going to press towards what you have for me, towards that heavenward goal. And so, you know, and I've, I've experienced that myself where, you know, feeling that, um, that type of uh, frustration from a friend as I'm growing, and it's, it's very uncomfortable. And so to be able to, for us to see people thrive, to see people grow, you know, as your spouse, as your friends start to grow, like, don't be threatened. Don't be intimidated. Don't, don't be insecure by that. Celebrate them. Encourage them. Empower them. And, and, and use that as an example, like, my gosh, like, because Jenna, like, she's, she's led me. She's led for that season, you know, as an example. I was like, my gosh, like, I want to be like Jenna. You know, she's doing triathlons, man. She's raising four kids. I mean, like, she's helping, you know, run a growing church, uh, you know, all these things. It's like, it's inspiring. And to use that, you know, as motivation, as opposed to, again, shrinking back in shame, lashing out in anger, but to move forward, to press towards what God has for us. And in that, in that growing process, um, you know, obviously there are times where I could sense like, oh my gosh, like as I'm trying to grow, I could sense like maybe I'm, you know, stepping out too much or, you know, you kind of just start to worry about like, am I doing the right thing? Am I, am I growing? Like growth is usually uncomfortable. And so to have a friend, to have someone in your life that is encouraging and build you, building you up is so beneficial because it makes you, when he was, you know, encouraging me to keep chasing after things, it was very, um, it built me up and encouraged me to keep going. It gave me confidence. God gives me confidence and he gives you people in your life to, to say, keep going. Don't give up. Don't give up. You can do it. And it reminds me of this verse in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, 29. It says, don't let any unwholesome talk. So don't talk negatively about what someone's doing. Um, but, 
only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that I may benefit those who listen. So it's not just benefiting me. You know, him encouraging me doesn't just benefit me. It benefits everybody because as I'm growing, it benefits the people around me. It benefits my kids, my husband, the church. And so when you come alongside someone else and you encourage them to grow, then it's going to benefit everybody around them. So... Oh, and then, yes, okay, so we're going to move on to our next point. Sorry, I forgot I was transitioning to that one. Um, So if you want to love that last, we have to, have to flourish in forgiveness. And we put flourish in forgiveness because it's not just receiving forgiveness. You have to receive and you have to give. And there's this verse in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. It says, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And so throughout just our relationship and relationships that I've had with other people, there's been hurts. And I remember God just speaking to me and just kind of laying it out. He has forgiven us, as, and we are supposed to forgive as he is forgiven. And if you look at how important forgiveness is to him, you can look at what he did in order so that we can get forgiveness. And that was God sacrificed his son that we could have forgiveness. And so he modeled what forgiveness looks like. So I'm thinking, you know, I'm reading those verses and God's speaking to me and I'm like, well, hey, I'm not going to give up my child. And he's not asking us to. He's not asking us to give up our children for forgiveness. But what he is asking for you to give up is your pride, your insecurity, your bitterness, your anger, your resentment, I feel like that's a fair trade for forgiveness. If you want to forgive someone, you do have to let go of those things. Like I was talking about earlier, you can hold on to bitterness, but you will wake up one day and realize that's not the life you want to live. I started realizing that, you know, I would forgive Kyle. It's, it is a process. There would be times where like, okay, I forgive you, and I would say it, but then in my heart, I wouldn't necessarily quote-unquote feel it, and I would allow the bitterness, I would just keep dwelling on it. And I would keep thinking, well, that happened, that happened, I don't trust this. But it wasn't until I gave it up to the Lord and said, you know what, God, I had really, really open, honest talks with God about the people who hurt me. I said, God, I don't think this is right. And you have open dialogue with God and he begins to peel back the layers. He begins to heal you because my healing doesn't come from people. My healing comes from God. And so that frees me up to forgive people. I can forgive this person. I can forgive anybody who hurts me because God will heal me. God will mend the heart. He will pick up the pieces. And so my job, my responsibility is to sacrifice my bitterness, my anger, and just forgive people. And um, God is very, very faithful to heal. He's faithful to restore. um, And I'm just very thankful for that. And I remember, too, um, there was one, one period of our marriage. It was after Lee Mae was born, and she was maybe about five, six months old. And we had gone to San Diego to see Jenna's folks for, for Christmas, and we were there and all that kind of stuff. And, and before we had left and taken off, like literally the morning before we left, I had this just bizarre dream. And uh, I really was praying about it while we are flying and stuff, and I just realized, you know, God's convicting me of stuff inside of me in ways that I'm, you know, contributing and participating in my marriage, right? And so I had this huge conviction moment and waited till we got home. And I remember, um, you know, I, we, we get home, we're back in Bend, Oregon in our little, you know, 900 square foot cabin. 
with a wood stove. <laughs> it was awesome. I remember one little girl walked in there one time from our youth group, and she looks around. She's like, this is cozy? Yeah. <laughs> and so we're in our cozy little cabin there, and, uh, and I start just to confess to Jenna, right? And I'm just kind of unlay- laying it all out because I'm realizing I, ha- I have to move forward. This is a major hurdle. And, I, and the first step is just to confess this, man, to get it out. And then I'm sitting there thinking, like, okay, as soon as I, because I was feeling freedom already. I was already feeling so excited, like, God is convicting me. I'm aware of it. I'm going to confess it. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to be forgiven. And I'm going to be this knight in shining armor, right? That's, that's how really what I thought was going to happen is we sit down. I'm like, I'm coming like, Jenna, I have a confession to make, right? And she's going to be like, you're my hero. Thank you. I love you. And uh, that was not a response. So we're sitting there, and I confess all this stuff, and she's getting, like, more and more, like, morose, just more sad and more, like, you know, and, like, kind of tearing up. And I'm like, what is happening? And I'm like, well, so do, like, after I kind of said everything and did all of my eloquent speech as much as I could to get her to love me, uh, I was like, so what is your feedback? What do you have to say? And essentially, her feedback was, you know, if it wasn't for Leah May, I probably just would have stayed in San Diego. You know, and so... Just, you know, experiencing that and realizing just the, the pain that I'd caused her, you know, and the journey from, from you know, moving past those, those hurdles and watching her, you know, uh, figure out what it looks like to forgive, you know, was, was really, really powerful. And I think, you know, um, to her point of bitterness blinds, it was probably about a year into this whole growth process where I realized, Man, like, I was giving her a lot of space, right? Because I knew I had done some stuff, and I wanted to take responsibility. And there was a lot of uh, just anger and hurt and bitterness and a lot of lashing out and things that she was doing that I didn't, I didn't push back on. I just took it, right? Like, because I, I needed to. Because I needed to take responsibility for these things. But as about a year unfolded, like, I just got concerned. I was like, Jenna, listen, I know I've hurt you. Um, but my only concern right now is that there is a root of bitterness that's going to, that's, you know, the Bible says root of bitterness will defile many. And so I just said, listen, like, do what you got to do. You can hate me for the rest of our marriage. You can hate me for the rest of our lives. But my concern is for you um, right now. And, and so I think that just to be able to have those, you know, to be able to have earned her trust and, and to enough, um, at a place to be able to say that, I think was really cool, you know, and it showed just, you know, uh, flourishing and forgiveness, you know, it means to be actually, actually to forgive. And I think, um, you know, for me, on the other side of that, you know, there's the, for, the forgiving, the doing that like Jenna did. I think in relationships is also the receiving of forgiveness, where we have to be able to receive and to fully understand and accept that we are actually forgiven. And, you know, um, there was a time where with Jenna and I where some stuff came up, you know, because that was the beginning of our marriage and still things happened, still growing, still learning. And there was another season where some stuff came up and, you know, we talked it through and God did some miracles and moved some mountains and all that kind of stuff. And, um, but, uh, you know, she said she'd forgiven me, but I was still so guilty and ashamed and embarrassed by what I had done you know, by the ways that led the family, the, the kind of the hot water put, put us into. And I still was carrying that shame and that regret and that embarrassment. And she's like, no, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. But I wasn't able to receive it. I just find it, kind of figured like, okay, she's saying that because she wants to be a good wife and a good Christian. But man, like she's still really hurt. You know what I mean? And I had these thoughts going in my mind, like, I just don't deserve her, man. Like, I just don't. And I, in my mind, like I, I was trying to earn and win my wife back. And I would, honestly, I would have these, like, just really, like, m- emotional dreams where 
you know, like she was going off into the sunset with somebody way better. And I just wake up and like, God, please, no. Like, please don't let that happen. And so, you know, I dealt with this for like, oh gosh, maybe like six months, nine months. And finally got to a breaking point where I was just so like upset. And I said, listen, I know you probably hate me, right? And I know like all these different things, but I mean, can you, can I please, can you please just like help me? Like, please just forgive me. Let me free from this. And because she was, um, she was just having some stuff. We were having some scuffles and things like that. And I was like, I know it's because of me. And anyway, she was just dumbfounded. She's like, what are you, what are you talking about? What's going on inside of me, Kyle, has nothing to do with like what you've done in the past. Like I'm over that. And I literally, it was like uh, that movie where the guy, he thinks he's the detective, but he's actually the patient. <laughs> I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> What's going on? Like, like, you're not mad at me? I've been spending like nine months like thinking that you hate me and that I have to earn you back. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And so to be able to receive that forgiveness, because when we can't receive that forgiveness in the same way that bitterness blinds us, not realizing and receiving that we're forgiven can blind us to the person that's, that we're in a relationship with, whether it's uh, a spouse, a friend, whether it's God. Because I think that so many of us feel that same shame, the same embarrassment, the same regret, right? With, when we think about the, our relationship with God. And I think we have to realize that he has brought forgiveness, that he's given us forgiveness, and it's there and it's real. And it's not partial. It's not halfway. God has forgiven you. And when we walk with that shame, when we walk with that regret and that embarrassment, it hinders our view. It, it blurs our view and distorts the way that we see God. It distorts the way that we see the people in our lives. We need to be able to receive and understand that we are forgiven. And when we can do that, we can actually begin to know and to learn and to have a love that lasts with the person we're in a relationship with, whether it's a spouse, a friend, and especially if it's God. And so when we had that conversation, I was able to finally learn that you know, she actually has like a whole mountain of other things that are stressing her out, that are wearing her down. But because I was just so focused on my shame, I wasn't able to receive her forgiveness. I was blind to what was going on inside of her, what actually was happening. And it was, like I said, like it was, it was like, whoa, Technicolor. It's like going from like Allison, or not, uh, the Wizard of Oz. It was literally like, oh my gosh. Like, and I just felt like I had a new lease on life, man. I was like, this is awesome. I felt like my second wedding day almost. It was so cool. Um, and so, yeah, to be able to receive that forgiveness is so, so important to know that we're forgiven and to, to walk out so it doesn't uh, distort the view that we have of the people we're in relationship with. And so um, the love, last thing that we have, you know, a love that lasts has lots of fun. And I'm going to read Ecclesiastes 8.15. It says, so, so I commend the enjoyment of life because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of the life God has given them under the sun. Man, having a love that lasts is hard. It takes growth. It takes, you know, confronting things. It takes patience. It takes mercy. It takes grace. It takes forgiveness. This is hard stuff. It just is. It's good. It's meaningful. It's purposeful, but it's hard. And if we're pursuing all of these things, the love that lasts grows together and flourishes in forgiveness, man, we got to have some fun. We got to enjoy each other. We got to enjoy the people that God has in our lives, right? And, and so this, my, I'll just say this. Married couples, have lots of fun. She gets it. 
the, the unmarried person gets it. Have lots of fun. Enjoy your relationship. Enjoy your marriage, right? And if you don't know what that looks like, if you don't know, you know, I was listening to a podcast by somebody, and they were talking about marriage and, you know, um, and, uh, you know, romantic relationship and all that kind of stuff. If you don't know what that looks like, how often, what is a lot of fun, right? I love it. The guy on the podcast, he said, okay, are, are we talking once a year? No. Okay. Are we talking 15 times a day? Probably not. So somewhere between once a year and 15 times a day is a place where, where we can come together and have lots of fun together as a married couple. And so, you know, that's, that's just, I think, something that if we're going to pursue growth and flourish and forgiveness and do all that stuff, man, we just have to have a lot of fun. Right, Jenna? Well, there's other ways to have fun. Let me just put I don't it that know way. About that. <laughs> Okay, so if you want to love the last, there's other ways. And part of that is you have to learn, you have to discover what is fun for the other person outside of that. So um, you have to. Okay, I will say, before we got married and we were dating, um, most of you might not know this, but Kyle loves chess, absolutely loves chess. I'm obsessed with chess. And I will tell you what, I am the person who taught him how to play. We played, while we were dating, we played hundreds and hundreds of games because I was teaching him, okay, this is the horse. Night, not a horse. No, she wouldn't say <laughs> horse. This, this is a horsey. This is a castle. I'm like, oh, okay, those are weird you know, names. I worked with a lot of kids. But I taught him how to play the chess. We played hundreds of games, and I, and I won every single game, so it was really fun for me. And so, but he started getting better, and he started winning. And he now beats me every single game of chess. So it's no longer as fun for me. But I know that if I want, you know, if I'm committed to this relationship and I want to love that last, then I need to find things that he, that he enjoys. So playing a game of chess and losing with a good attitude is something that we try to do. And <laughs> we used to do a lot of hikes. Um, in the Northwest, we had real mountains and we would actually hike up in them and they were usually like day hikes. And so, you know, we find lots of things, like even things that we used to do together when we we're dating or had younger kids, um, things change. People grow, their interests grow, and the things that they enjoy and like to do, those change as well. And so um, learning to just ask questions and say, well, what's fun for you? What would you like to do? And even if it's as simple as playing a game or for us, we like to work on house projects. And there's all these different things that you can do. But leaving room for fun is so important. Even in the midst of difficult situations, even in the midst of just chaos, there is still room to have fun. And you have to do it. You have to make the time. You have to make the effort to have fun because it is so important. It's important for your relationship to grow. It's important for your relationship to have longevity. And you just have to make it a priority. Even when there's communication issues and even when the finances are tight, there's still, there's always time and room to have fun. Yeah, and if you want to you love that lasts, you know, whether it's with your spouse, friends, you know, whoever, your kids even, right? You got to have fun. You just got to have fun. You got to see what, what works, what doesn't work, and, and just go and explore. It's like a little journey of discovery of fun. You know, what, what could go wrong, um, you know, getting into that. And, you know, and I think also one thing I really appreciate about Jenna is when, when it comes to learning how to have fun with somebody, sometimes, like, she, you have to play a game of chess you don't want to play. 
right? Sometimes you have to do, so for me, one of the things I really like, you know, when, when a band that I love puts out a new song or a new album, I love listening to it. It's so much fun. And she's a good sport. She'll drive with me and listen to full blast, the full 14-minute song. <laughs> yeah, it's a 14-minute song. It's awesome. And she sits there and she's like, oh, is it over yet? No? Oh, oh, okay. Oh, still, okay. Another six minutes. Oh, okay. Cool. And so to be able to do that, right? Because Jesus says that greater love has no one than to lay down their life for their friends, right? And it's clearly Jesus is talking about a much greater laying down of his life, but actually laying down his life. But when we're looking at our spouses, when we're looking at the friends that we have, our kids, we have to lay some stuff down. We have to say, you know what? Not my cup of tea, but I'm going to go ahead and do this because I want a love that lasts with this person. I want to be able to encourage them and empower them and have fun with them, right? Because again, right? It's eat, drink, be glad. Joy will accompany you in all the toil that you have in, in all the days of your life. Because life is hard, we get it, but it can still be extremely fun, right? And so when you think about the relationships that you have, and you know, I want to love that last. I want to be able to, I want to be able to, this thing to flourish, to grow, you know, and to be a fun thing. Take all these things into consideration, you know, and see what, what God might have for you. the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.